0: All right, hey everybody! Welcome to the Fear the Fincast. Jacob Sunstroh, managing editor of fearthefin.com with Marcus P. White. It's uh, it's still March first. We're now eleven hours and thirty seven minutes removed from the uh, trade deadline, and uh, I think it's I think it's safe now. Hey
1: everybody! Welcome to the Fear the Fincast.
0: Jacob I think we're good. Nothing else is going to happen. Uh, the uh, I guess it was still, you know, I guess relatively speaking, kind of a quiet trade deadline um, by. All standards. I feel like we say this every year now, though, so I guess I, – I, I, to me, this feels normal. Like this was a, a, a pretty normal trade deadline. I picked
1: up a lot at the end, certainly. Uh, I think definitely got some, some more trades uh, creep in, some guys than people expected to move. Kyle Quincy, Pierre Parento, all got moved uh, right before the trade deadline. Although I'm reading a headline on ESPN, this is the slowest deadline day since uh, 2013, according to ESPN. Okay. So
0: wow. 33 uh, and players I guess that's just time. by volume of trades.
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, in terms of number of players. Yeah. The yeah. few also the few. I guess that's not a big surprise. It's the fewest number of, trades. of 18 trades in 2013 or excuse me, 18 <laughs> trades today, 17 in 2013.
0: Yeah. And I guess that, uh, I would assume that just has everything to do with the Las Vegas factor. Um, you know, teams being wary of uh, moving guys because of the expansion draft and all of that kind of nonsense. And obviously Vegas now is a fully active member of the uh, NHL family, as far as they're able to, uh, to, to move, to make, to make moves, to, to claim guys on waivers and, uh, and what Once have you. you and
1: start Now they weren't gonna They were not involved in the trade deadline, but they can start now. Right.
0: Correct. Okay. Yep. yep. So they could trade draft picks and uh, what have okay. you. Uh, so, uh, if anyone's interested in uh fleecing Vegas for their draft picks, now is the time to now is the time to do so.
1: Has the NHL announced where they're gonna pick in the draft? Like how high of a pick they're gonna have? They
0: have a they're gonna be in the draft lottery. They have a 10% chance okay. of picking first overall, and that's okay. flat. Um, they cannot get any higher than, well, obviously, because okay. they can't lose. So they have a 10% chance. Uh, I think that that uh so Micah, so that's the who runs hockeyviz.com, that's at ineffective math on Twitter. He he runs, you know, the the lottery odds and what have you, uh pretty regularly. And so that's so I think they'll basically have the third highest chance uh, of of winning the lottery. So um I bet Vegas wishes they had gotten into the uh gotten into the NHL last year or the year before that. Oh yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. Uh wrong year to buy an expansion franchise, Bill. Oh man, it uh,
1: was on Vegas.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I if, frankly, uh not not I'm sh- I I'm not super sure it has nothing to do with uh with them uh waiting a year to get the team into the league that uh yeah they was like, ah, you know what, you know what, let's just let's just wait till yeah, twenty seventeen. No you
1: know? Don't need to rush. Ah, we're good. We're good. Yeah. Although What's if they, the if they had, actually if they had entered last year they could have had Matthews, which them being in the desert would have been an art, like you know, a good sto- a good feel good story. Um,
0: yeah, what a weird thing that uh, instead of there being a weird feel good story for Vegas or Arizona, uh, Connor McDavid and Matthews ended up being in Edmonton and um, Toronto. Oh come That's on! Weird.
1: Wait. I'm not. That's so I, weird. I am not buying into any of these. Hmm. League hmm. draft lotteries are rigged. I I do not buy okay. into that. That's fine. I'm just saying,
0: if Damon it was rigged, that's the did way not
1: go. put the Knicks envelope on ice. Gary Bettman okay. did not do the same, or Bill Daly didn't do the same with the Oilers envelope.
0: But okay. I'm just saying, if there was a, that's the way it would go. Speaking of first round picks, the Sharks traded one. Wow, nice segue. Thank you. Uh, yeah, so the uh, let's 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 talk about the trade. Uh, Yannick Hansen is now a member of the San Jose Sharks. We won't get to see him tomorrow night because of Donald Trump. Thanks, Trump. Uh, and we won't get to see Nikola Dube. as a
1: DeBoer's comment on that was great. By the way, uh, it was that was God, man that was great A great A. Uh, I,
0: I, let me I do. Let me pull. Let me pull up Peter Boer's comment on that because I want to read it verbatim because it was extremely good.
1: Yes.
0: The uh, curse had that right. Occurs at
1: Pachelka, both did, yeah.
0: Okay, let me pull that up.
1: Pete DeBoer's got the ability to to drop some one liners. He has a good sense of humor. I I don't know if he goes to Rooster Teeth Feathers and tries out his comedy sets, but I think coaching Brent Burns and Joe Thornton would give him plenty of material.
0: Uh, So, yeah, so the Sharks traded uh, Nikolai Goldobin and a conditional fourth round draft pick uh, to the Vancouver Canucks to get Yannick Hansen. that's an interesting move. Uh, Hanson is uh, a guy that uh, had not been not, not not been on the radar really at all until really right until the Sharks went out and got him. Uh, I know the Curves had kind of talked about him right before, uh, really in pregame, right? I believe. Yeah, uh, literally the first time I heard
1: Hanson mentioned with the Sharks was pregame live, uh, and that 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 set a uh, set a little bit of a I don't want to say a warning sign, but definitely set raised not some, flags per se like if it's a bad thing but it's like okay this is a name we haven't heard linked to the sharks before and it's happening so close to the deadline um but even that i wasn't reading into that that much you know the trade gets announced what middle of the second period middle of the third period bombshell, yeah, uh, uh and then the sharks acquire uh yannick hansen and send Nikolai goldobin as you mentioned a conditional fourth round pick now the condition on the pick is only whether or not they win the stanley cup correct it does Correct. not change from a fourth to a third if they win a playoff round. It doesn't change from a fourth to a second if they make it to the conference finals. It's just fourth or first,
0: which is very unusual. I don't think I've ever seen that before where it just, I, I assumed that it was going to be a, uh, a ladder pick, which is pretty normal. Yeah. Normal is, you know, you go fourth, third, second, first. This is just if they, it's a fourth or if a, the, the reason it's not doing that is because the Sharks don't have a third or a second to, right. to get one. Um so right now basically the Sharks have a first. We've got a fifth and they have a shit ton of sixth and sevenths. And and listen, if history serves, um those six and sevenths are more valuable than a first, a second, the third and that's or a how Wilson anyway.
1: moved up in the past is by you know make building packages around, you know, amassing those picks, moving up, you know, maybe maybe he'll be creative and move some salary too. Uh yeah, definitely the, the lack of mid round picks is a little concerning, but I think if the Sharks wanted to, they could probably move up into that round. And like you said, I mean, the amount of sixth and seventh round and fifth round hits they have on the roster, I, I feel pretty confident that they could, you know, potentially with the litany of picks they have in those rounds, find one player who becomes an NHL contributor. And honestly, if you find one player in those rounds and they're an NHL contributor, you are you are doing what a lot of other front offices aren't doing.
0: Yeah, uh, I think – uh, so I guess let's start with talking about Yannick Hansen before we before we move on. Uh, Yannick Hansen's a guy that's obviously been a really good possession player his entire career. He's uh, a really, really, really good even strength scorer. Um, I think if you look at his uh, scoring numbers as a whole, they're not very impressive. But you have to keep in mind that he doesn't play on the power play really at all. Um, yeah. And I haven't done uh enough and i and i have done enough research to figure out why that is uh, particularly and it, it may just be that because he's played on vancouver teams that haven't needed him to and i think that's definitely the case in san jose where he's not going to get a look on the power play because the sharks don't need him to play on the power play um He's he is, I believe. I looked it up over the past three years. 29th in the NHL in uh, even strength scoring. If you look just at primary points, and yeah. uh, uh, while you have to keep in mind that he's playing uh, most of those minutes with the Sedins. If he's playing most of his minutes with the Sharks with uh, with the Joes, which I think is at least a possibility, if not necessarily a, a likelihood, um, that that's I think a good sign. So I think that you know while he's not necessarily the kind of uh, elite scorer that uh score as his only skill set that i think we were expecting the sharks to go after i think he definitely has that as the as a as a skill set
1: yeah i i think it's a you know when we'll, we can, we'll talk about the price i'm sure independent of the price i like hansen as a player i I've, I've liked him for a while he's a he's very flexible and i i think it it seems that this year the the approach with the sharks forward group has really been uh they value flexibility uh, over every, over a lot of it, and just looking at the rest of the forward group, it's no, no longer the days of you know when it was Danny Heatley, Patrick Marleau, and Joe Thornton on the top line. You know, you still have Pavelski and Thornton, but you know it, it, the roles I don't think are as defined. Uh, I think you know we've talked about this a little bit before, and I think it just keeps with the philosophy that DeBoer has enacted since he's been here, and in, in identifying pairs of players he wants to keep together and uh, largely keeping those guys together um, and then moving the rest of the roster around that. And Hansen's a guy who I, on this team, honestly, and I, I think this speaks to him as a player. I could see him playing on the first line. I could also see him playing on the fourth line. And I think I'd be pretty happy uh, with any of those deployments uh, depending on the situation. I think, I think he'll be a good fit. He's a, he's a fast player. Uh, you know they they they've talked a lot about his his two-way ability and as well as the the quote-unquote grit and sandpaper he brings um i think it's i think it's a good pickup uh not necessarily a name i expected because he has a a year left on his contract after this year but i you know i and again i i think the price was too high and we'll talk about that i'm if the sharks were to give up prized asset like Goldobin, it should not have been for a player who they would not have resigned after the season i think you needed to get a player who's at least under contract uh beyond this year now that being said and we can talk about it i still think they they gave up a little bit too much um especially seeing the price of some of these other players who i think would have been good fits with the joes um you know kurz talked about a little bit before the game yesterday uh, he mentioned that what DeBoer was describing a type of player that would fit with the Joe's and he he didn't want, it didn't seem like he wanted a guy who's, you know, quote unquote one dimensional. They wanted someone who was going to match the work ethic of, of, of Thornton and Pavelski, not necessarily getting to, uh, you know, waiting, waiting in a spot and hoping, you know, for a setup, but, you know, working to get to a spot. Um, I do think there were guys that, you know, maybe don't fit that entirely. That would have been good assets. I mean, seeing what, uh, Florida gave up for Thomas Vanek, for example, they gave up Dylan McElrath, who is, who is, does have a higher pedigree than Goldobin granted, um, and was a former top 10 pick and they gave up a third round pick. Uh, you know, that's, a but you know, seeing that it's, you wonder, could the Sharks have gotten the same package, but you know, noticing that they got Hanson, they probably weren't interested in a guy like Vanek. Um, I think we talked about Redeem Verbata potentially being a, a possible fit, um, Seeing how little P.A. Parento went for, uh, I think he was traded for the same level of pick as Steve Ott was. And I think that's a very savvy pickup uh, by uh, Nashville. And I think Parenteau would have been a really excellent fit uh, here in San Jose. But it, it seems like they were they were looking for someone. Again, they they want the utility player. They want the Swiss Army knife guy who can you know plug in anywhere. Um, and Parento, I think some of the knock on him has been that he's a little more offensively focused than some other guys. But I, you know, just thinking in terms of price, you wouldn't have had to give up a gold And even if Goldobin didn't play this year, still would have helped the Barracuda's playoff run. Um, you know, I think, I think they, they paid a pretty steep price for this one.
0: Yeah. I think that there's a couple of things there. I think that maybe part of the concern is that, um, they wanted a guy that was going to supplement, um, because I think they're concerned with the way that Joe's have played this year. And I think that's probably a, a fair concern at this point of the season. Um, I mean, I think just even watching that Toronto game last night, uh, you know, I think they recovered. Okay. But I think that that top line looked pretty, pretty terrible against Austin Matthews and the rest of the Leafs. Um, they just didn't look good. Joe Thornton looked terrible against Austin Matthews. He was, he's not, not good enough to play against Austin Matthews. And that's the reality now. You know, I think that's, I think that's something that, you know, we've talked about a little bit before that Joe Thornton's not a number one center anymore. And I think that's something probably a reality we probably need to, you know, and come to terms with. And I think maybe that has more to do with this move than maybe we want to, want to accept. um, and maybe that's part of the reason they go out and get a guy that's a a more of a possession guy or as much a possession guy as he is a scoring guy um and so you know to me i think that that maybe that's part of it um and you know i i so i guess i don't i that makes it less of a painful move for me you know and i understand that that perspective of it um i think that being said um they have a really good possession guy. His, his name's Timo Meyer, and he's got the best possession numbers right. on the Sharks this year, and they could have just played him there, and I don't think that the Sharks have a problem at that point. So I think to me the, big, the biggest problem I have with the move is that the Sharks didn't need to make a move at all, and I think they would have been okay um, trusting Timo Meyer to play there. Uh, and I know that's not an uh, opinion that the Sharks hold, of course, um, and so that's why there was going to be a move made. Um, and so, you know, it is what it is. Uh, so let's talk about the price. I think that giving up on Nikolai Goldobin is a ginormous mistake. Um, you know, whether or not the Sharks end up feeling that, uh, you know, one way or another is, uh, in my opinion, kind of irrelevant. Um, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a bad move to give up on a guy that's uh, scoring more than, you know, 0. 0.8 points per game as a 21-year-old in the AHL right now who's done it consistently, who's vastly improved his defensive game this season. Um, that's something that's been said by Roy Sommer. That's been something that's been said by Paul Gackle, who watches a lot of games. That's something that's been said by Zach Devine, who watches a lot of AHL games. Um, by Ian Reed, who write, writes for us, and watches a lot of AHL games. Uh, the, it's not being said by people who don't watch any Barracuda games. Um, it's something that's not being said by people that watched... Um, right. ...who him play with the sharks because i think you could criticize his game maybe the couple games he played with the sharks i think that's fair but i don't think i would criticize his defensive effort at all um i think that uh, that that would be a pretty lazy criticism to in, in my opinion i mean you could say he wasn't nhl ready right now and i think okay maybe that's fair um he's 21 years old uh he got to play two games and uh, then he got benched in the second period of, of one of right. those games, and uh, to say that that's a fair shake um, to get 11 games with an NHL team and then and then get yeah, traded is um, it's not. It's not. It's just not. You know, he it's really. Two, he got
1: two trading camps. He got yes. He got preseason games. He got 11 regular season games. That's just it's. I, I, it's not a big enough. It's not a long enough look. Uh, I think the, the now I, the training camp stuff probably weighed a little more on the coaches than and on their impressions of him than sure. probably the two games. Uh, that being said, you know by all, like you said, by all, uh, by all measures, by a lot of people who who follow the Barracuda, he had made some strides. Granted, you know it's still probably not at a level where he was going to contribute this year for the Sharks, but the way Sommer was talking about him and the way some of the writers uh, were writing about his improvement, it seemed like, okay, if he continues this, you know, he can, he can contribute. And, um, you know, I, I, think, yeah, it's, they gave up, they didn't give him really a fair shake. Um, you know, I, I totally understand the, that you know, the notion that he was a, a 27th overall pick and as a first round pick, um, you know, that's very close to the second round. Totally get that. Uh, just to me that the trade really kind of reminds me, um, at least, you know, uh, on the surface of being potentially like the
0: Nick Bonino trade, uh, which is a terrible sure. trade that right. that Doug Wilson gets away with somehow. It seems yeah. like, like people don't um, talk about how bad that trade is. You know, Bonino
1: was a sixth round pick unlike Goldobin, who was a late first. Uh, but Bonino played very well at Boston at BU had, basically turned and worked himself into being one of the top prospects in the Sharks system. Uh, Bob Murray at the time said that they felt like they were getting one of the best prospects in hockey when they traded Travis Moen and Kent Huskins uh, for him. I think Hanson's a better player than both Travis Moen and Kent Huskins were uh,
0: definitely, but he's but, also 30,
1: right? Yeah. Um, he is. Yeah. He, so. he is 30. He's 30 years old. Uh, definitely some wear and tear on the tires. Uh, for sure and, and you know, I think you know I, I just I think the sharks you, you worry with a move like this and and yes, they do have depth on the wings, they've and their their farm system is um, in good shape. I think it's a little disingenuous to compare uh, Goldobin to Sorensen or uh, Jonas Donskoy.
0: Uh, they're, they're not they don't ha- to me to, the, and I saw people doing this with like well I saw Sorensen play last night he's right. just as good. It's like he's not he's twenty-five. He he's he's not. It's not the same thing. Right. And it's that not- to me is it's it's apples to oranges.
1: Yeah, they don't they don't play the same game. Um with what Debore wants to do, I think Sorensen at this moment is better fit. But again, Sorensen's an experienced player. He's 25 years old. Don Squay last year was a twenty-four, twenty-five year old rookie. Um, those are still great finds by the Sharks scouting. That's not to say that they weren't, but these guys are a little more developed in their games uh, than Nikolai Goldobin was.
0: Physically, you're a different, and, per, you're different exactly. when you're 25 than when you're 20 years old. Yeah. It's just not the same thing. And, and, and this I want to point out, I think that people are talking about, uh, from a physical standpoint, that Goldobin's not a good fit with the Sharks system. And if that's the case, uh, then Doug Wilson made a bad draft pick. Right, that's literally true because right. Doug Wilson drafted him in 2014, and the Shark system right now is exactly the same as it was in 2014. Like, listen, I know Pete DeBoer is playing maybe things a little bit differently, but are, it's,
1: I wouldn't say there are there's incredibly <laughs> different, I think there's slight subtle tweaks. The,
0: the, the gist of it is the same, though. There's, there's, listen. I don't know
1: they're hockey systems opposite. very well so I don't want to say like oh you know I don't I don't feel like I can definitively say that there's a huge overlap or a little overlap I, they look very similar the team plays similarly to how they played before they're just they're probably a little more aggressive on the forecheck than they were previously under McClellan, they did a lot of dump and chase they just weren't really chasing that much at the end with DeBoer, they're doing they're dumping and chasing but they're aggressively going in on those on the chase. I think that's the biggest difference I noticed, but I agree with you. I don't, I don't think their offensive zone approach has changed. Um, You know, they're still running through a defenseman like they were with uh, under McClellan. It's not Dan Boyle anymore. It's Brent Burns this time in the offensive zone who generates a lot of offense. Um, Yeah, I I agree. If, if he wasn't a great, if the similar systems are uh, similar enough and he wasn't a fit. um, And I know he's a 27th. That's a, that's a, a misfire on a pick, and that's either he missed on the pick or he gave up on the pick too soon. Either way, that's Doug Wilson admitting in some level and in some and some level that the pick was not a success. It.
0: Correct. Like, yeah. That's it. That's all there is. And, you, and, and listen, you, you can do that, but yeah, you're teams, doing that. Teams do that. That happens. That's, that's not to say that Doug Wilson's the first GM to
1: ever miss on a first-round pick. And, and at, listen, at this the, point, the, the Sharks retool. They're not in a position where they can say – and, yes, the cupboard is stocked. I agree. But I don't think the Sharks are in a position where they can – again, I, I think – and I was starting to get to this before I got sidetracked with the Benito thing. But, you know, this is how the cupboard became empty in the first place. They kept trading picks and high-impact guys – you know, to, to try and make that marginal upgrade. Again, it's not a perfect comparison, but look what Nick Benino did last year with the Pittsburgh Penguins. That's not to say that he would have had the same development in San Jose that he would have in Anaheim before he got to Pittsburgh, but that's a player that could have helped the Sharks last year, and that's a player that was in their system that they let go for a rental.
0: Yep. And the thing is, is that they are letting a guy like Goldobin go for basically no reason. There's just they're not getting that much back. Here's the thing. They're they're getting a guy who's a decent scorer, who's a good possession guy, right? Um they let Matt Nieto go for nothing. They let Tommy Wingles go for basically nothing. Right. Timo Meyer is sitting and rotting in the AHL. Right. Like Goldobin's the Goldobin's a guy who may turn out to be a pretty good score. Like my point is, is that it just kind of seems like a mismanagement of assets.
1: It's, it's. I think the the difference between the best way to describe it is, and I think this is how people view the trade. If people think the difference between Timo Meyer and Yon, they like the trade. If they think the difference between Timo Meyer and Yannick Hansen is worth giving up a player like Goldobin, and that also depends on how you view Goldobin. If you don't think that that. Difference is big enough to warrant giving up Goldobin, then you probably, as we do, do not like the trade. Right. Uh, that's not to say Yannick Hansen isn't going to play well for San Jose. That's not to say that the Sharks aren't going to win the Stanley Cup. But, um, you know, and there was some notion that oh well, if the, who cares if it becomes a first? The Sharks won the cup. You're not going to. We're not going to write an article the day after the Sharks win a cup saying, well, actually, <laughs> they gave up with the 31st overall
0: pick in the 2017. Whoa. Whoa. What a bunch of idiots.
1: Oh. Yeah. We're not, oh, not going to have that take. Um, I just, I don't think they're the mute. The notions aren't mutually exclusive. It doesn't become a good trade because the sharks win. And it doesn't become a bad trade. If the sharks don't win the cup, it's just, it is how it is in the moment um, in terms of value. Uh, you know, and I, I agree that you can't, you can look back and say, you know, Oh well this led to this but again that doesn't in my opinion I tried to tweet I tweeted this a little bit last night that doesn't in my opinion make it a good trade be, you know because that domino causes another domino to fall you know sure that's a that's a a path that you know opened up because of that but that's that's not to say that you could not have reached that path by not doing what you did we'll never know that's a question of like infinite alternate universe but, like mm-hmm.
0: Let let, let me share a personal story here. I got, when I was in high school, I got hit by a car. I was in, I was like basically bedridden for two weeks through a means that ended up being uh, how I ended up with my first girlfriend in high school. Do I wish I got hit by the car? Right. No. Right. Was that a good experience? No, it was fucking terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Is that what really led to me getting with my first girlfriend? I mean, I guess, sure. Was it a good experience? No. Yeah. But, like, listen, it was not a good experience just because it led to a good thing, guys. That's not how this whole thing works. My point being that I don't then go back and say, actually, you know, getting hit by the car was actually a really good thing. My point being that you don't then get to say that, hey, if the Sharks win the Stanley Cup, this was a good trade. What you get to do is say, at the moment the GMs make the trade, that's when you get to evaluate the trade because right. that's the moment that that the, the deal gets done. Yeah. That's how it works. If I if I go to the grocery store and I pay fifty dollars for a two-liter bottle of soda that's when I get to decide whether or not that was a good deal at right. the time. I don't get to decide in 2 weeks. Oh man, it turns out that Coca-Cola actually is made out of gold. Right. Well, this is a cool thing who knew. It's yeah. like, no, I get to decide based on the information yeah. I had at the time. That's how it works. And, I, I,
1: and, and again, so by that, you know, by that notion, every trade the Sharks have made in their franchise history has been bad because they haven't won a Stanley, you know, every deadline deal they've made all of them. Because they haven't won a Stanley Cup, I, 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 you know, I think it's, I think it's, it's important to evaluate in the moment. Of course, you can revisit it and say, "Wow, Nikolai Goldobin didn't end up doing anything," or "Wow, Yannick Hansen ended up winning four Rocket Richards. Like that doesn't make you, that doesn't change how, you know, that doesn't, you know, how change how the trade was evaluated at the moment. Of course, one GM, if that ends up being the case, is going to feel like they won the deal and got the better end of the deal. But at the time, like if they had known that, if they had a crystal ball to look into the future, there's a good chance Vancouver isn't isn't accepting the deal if that happens. So I think you know I I understand where people are coming from. Uh, I I get it. I understand the 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 quest and the desire to win a Stanley Cup. Totally important, I think, in the scheme of things, the Sharks are deep enough where. You know, organizationally, yeah, they might not feel it as much as they would have had they made this deal. You know, if they made this deal in 2015, the year after, like, Goldobin was drafted, they they would be feeling it. Now, they they might not. We don't know. We have to see how these players develop. But at the time, giving up, you know, a former first-round pick, and I, I know it was pick 27, still a first-round pick. Can, can we talk anyway, about so the, like,
0: I understand. It, what's the – What's the fucking deal with that? Don't get to speech. do that. You don't get to do that. You don't get to say eh, it's barely a first round. pick. Here, here's,
1: why here's why that matters. Here's why that matters because picks in the first round, depending on where they're taken, have a different success rate in the NHL. That's where it's coming from.
0: I know, but that's that. But to you me, get, that's different anyway. I
1: don't. I don't. I don't think we see that often when, in terms of discussing former first round picks being traded. I think it was mentioned here. I. Haven't seen that argument brought up a lot before. Frankly, I think it should be brought up more because, of course, a guy who's selected in, in the lottery is going to have more right. worth than the guy selected 25th overall. That makes I sense. I feel like
0: it's being brought up conveniently here where yeah, I it think is that's, not.
1: I think it's a top. fair criticism.
0: I think that's a fair criticism. Um, To me, here's here's the thing that needs to be discussed: is that this decision on Goldobin was made a long, long time ago by a lot of people, including the organization. I feel like that. I, I, truthfully, I feel like the organization had made a decision that they were done with Goldobin long before this season began. I think they probably made the decision. If again,
1: I'm putting on my speculative journalist hat.
0: Right, and so am I. My, 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 right. And now we've moved to the point where my hunch is that they. They were done. Goldobin was. They were done with Goldobin. I, I have. A, I have. A, after is, the call up this, in in twenty in twenty fifteen. See, I would. I would. I would say, given what they were saying in training
1: camp, I would say they probably made the decision around then. They said, okay, if we're gonna move a guy, one of the prospects, it's gonna be him. And then you know right. he, started, he started to develop more, and honestly, they probably were thinking, okay, and again, speculative journalist hat, I do not. Do not take this as the gospel. I don't have any inside sourcing telling me that this is true. Um, his development was probably seen as a bonus. It was like, okay, he's developing. We can get more for him. We yeah. can get more for him. Or if we don't trade him, we hang on to him and see if he keeps developing. Um, but, yeah, I yeah. think they probably evaluated and identified uh, that he was a guy they were going to move. Um, and we'll see how it ends up happening. He won't play tomorrow. Uh I was really looking forward to seeing him play with the Sedins on his first shift. I think that would have been really funny. Um, uh, Paul, Paul Gackle had a great tweet last night. He said that uh Goldobin before one of his, one of his uh, preseason preseason games uh, against the Canucks said, I hope the Sedins are playing so they can see how good I am or something like that. And then Paul was <laughs> like, well, now they're going to have an opportunity to see how good you are. Um,
0: uh, that's incredible.
1: I thought it was a great anecdote. Uh, great tweet brought up in the in the second period last night um oh yeah right, let me answer let's,
0: go let's ahead, get so. some let's get some of these questions in the yeah, chat sure. because i feel bad that we haven't done it yet uh let's see hold on cory brought up the uh brought up some some hypothetical lines you want to talk about some hypothetical let's lines with in the that's lineup? The that sounds fun. going
1: forward
0: I know, yeah, because he can really fit in anyway. Here's what Corey has. He's got LeBanc, Thornton, and uh, Pavelski on the top line, which I think is still fair. And then he's got uh, – still got the uh, good, the bad, and the ugly line. So uh, Marlow, uh, Couture, and Bodker. And then he's got Hanson, uh Hurdle, and Donskoy, and then Carlson, Tierney, Ward. And I think that's a really, really – That's
1: probably sp- what I would try.
0: I, I To me, it's – I mean, I'm good putting him anywhere, and I don't mind putting him on the first, second, or third line. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, I think I'm good doing that. I like having LeBanc on the top line because I think that's good for LeBanc. Um, but I also don't mind overloading the top line, especially when when you start getting into the playoffs. Um, yes. the, depending on who we're talking about, uh, matching up against, like, I mean, listen, in the Western Conference, I would rather put him on the third line because we're because in the Western Conference there aren't so many um, heavy first lines. Um, especially against a team like the wild where it's like three second lines and there's not really a true uh, top scoring yeah. line um, maybe against Chicago or something like that, where it's like a really, you know, more or of a Nashville. formidable top line, so you, right. Or a Nashville. Yeah, you're right. Um, but it, against a team like um, burger or Washington. Maybe that's where I start thinking about overloading the top line and putting him up up top. With the yeah. uh, with the Joes and, and and listen and I and I think we know that one thing I really do like about the and we've talked about this before is that he's willing to make changes that he won't necessarily you know uh, won't be married to for the rest of the rest of the series he's willing to kind of adapt that's my that honestly is my favorite thing about Pete De Boer, is that he's willing to do things in a given situation that don't necessarily become <laughs> Uh, a Bible for him. I think going that's
1: forward. I think that's his biggest strength. I mean, I, I think you look at it, you've seen how much how often, and this is not a good thing, but you know, you've seen Bodker get benched a couple times in third periods, but I think maybe at the first benching and it, it led to a scratch. But since then it's really it's just like, okay, I need to shorten my lines, I'll do this. That doesn't mean I think Mikel Bodker can't contribute to our lineup anymore. That's just what I'm gonna do in this situation. Um whereas I think but again we've talked about it, McClellan previously he would switch lines in a game, then he'd try those out the next game. Uh, De Boer says, uh, tries it out, and then is like, "Okay, we're just going to go back to what worked." Um, and I, I think that consistency—I agree with you—that's probably probably his biggest strength.
0: Uh, let's see, and then I think I said, let's, let's see, blah, blah, blah. Uh, yeah, and I think that, uh, let's see, Yari brings up that, in all obviously the gold Omen's personality character rub management the wrong way, and I think that that probably has more to do with it than anything else, to be honest with you. I think that that, that I think that while that, um, that that's one of those things that I really hate uh, as someone who's not, it, listen, that's my least favorite part about sports in general is right. the, um, the the character thing and the personality thing, because I think even uh, as someone who works, you know, professionally in, uh, in sports that I hate, even when you're there, even when you're in the room, even when you talk to coaches and you talk to players, you don't, you don't know these people and you don't, you only get this small sliver of their personal personality and their experiences and their lives. And you only get what they want you to get. Um, So I think that, and I don't mean this as a criticism of any of the reporters that are there, um, but I think that you have to be very, very skeptical of everything that they say because they're only being given I – mean, you just do because, right. listen, they're only being the, – A, they only see what they see. Their yeah. own, they're, they're, um, they're prone to their own biases. Yeah, um, They're yeah. prone to the biases of the sources that they have. Correct. That's just the way it works, man. They're human yeah. beings. That's yeah. just that's just the I, way it is. And so I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, I I had you know I I've only really dealt with Goldobin at training camp. Uh, he spoke, I think, with the media once based on request. I mean, he was a little short in his answers, but it was nothing atypical um, in terms of dealing with a young uh, young prospect. Really, I, I don't think it was anything crazy. Uh, I certainly didn't glean, or I didn't I didn't see anything that would give that away. Again, I haven't, you know, I haven't had a chance to go um, really since the new year started. So I, I, you know, my information's a little out of date, but based on what I saw in training camp uh, I couldn't really pick up on anything. And again, too, he was staying in a separate, separate locker room. So really all the, you know, insight I was able to glean was just when he spoke with us. Um, you know, yeah, I, I, agree with, I, I, I agree with you. I think, um, you know, be very careful when you hear that. That's not again. That's not to knock the reporters who are who are you know getting that information and getting and relaying that and writing that. They trust their sources and they you know I'm, this is certainly not Marcus White questioning the journalistic practices of the Sharks media. I think they're all very sound, and I don't think like, I'm not I'm not uh, here to libel or slander them. Okay, would it be libel? Because no, would it be slander? Because we're on a podcast, or would it be libel? Because we're on a podcast
0: uh liable because it's spoken Look, right? i believe that's it yeah yeah that's it i yeah. remember it because spider-man
1: one. uh yeah that
0: i that's also how i remember yes. it
1: yeah <laughs> so,
0: like, very professional i, and I don't
1: want i don't think it's fair to goldobin for me to sit here behind my keyboard and say oh well based on my the, my body language expertise that i saw when i was watching him i think this I, I don't really like to speculate. Listen, uh,
0: to me, the, 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 the real, the, the only off ice criticism I have of Goldobin is that I know that, that, that he's used uh homophobic slurs on Instagram Correct. Before. Yeah. and that's, and yeah. that's shitty. <laughs> and and I know, I don't know that he's ever apologized for it. I've never seen him do it. Uh, um, I don't think it's ever, I
1: don't think it's, I've, I've seen tweets about it. I don't think it's ever been written about. I don't think he's, I've never right. seen him asked about it. Yeah. Uh, And and,
0: and, like, listen, in fairness, I've never written about it. I've never brought it up and maybe I should have, you know, and and that's on me. Uh, So there you go. And that's a
1: valid, legitimate character concern.
0: Right. And, and listen, if we're being honest, uh, that has literally nothing to do with why he got traded because I would, I
1: would say the say
0: the sharks don't give a shit. And that's, and that's the reality because, you know, we can talk about this. You can play shit all we want, but the sharks don't care about that. Um, and, and that's, that's the reality of the situation. So I think that this is a separate thing. This, the, the rumblings or rumors about his like not being a fit in the locker room is probably more to do with a, you know, maybe a flashy personality or who knows. Um, and I don't comment on that kind of stuff because I'm not there. And so I don't feel like, uh, even remotely an authority on the issue. And I frankly just don't care. Uh, I just don't care. Uh, So there you go. That's all I have to say on that. So, uh, so from this point to me, it's kind of like, okay, uh, I think the trade is an overpay, but now we've got what we've got. Um, He's on the
1: team. Now you speculate where he can go. Correct. See where Hanson's going to play. You don't, we, I think we've spilled enough virtual e-ink so to speak, on right. the Goldobin trade. You know, we'll, probably, the trade will probably be revisited down the line,
0: yep. uh,
1: but I'm, we're certainly not going to have a fear of the Goldobin page with the counter of his goals comparing him to Hansen at all times. <laughs> uh. That's or
0: are you saying? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I. I and the thing is, I've always. Well, that's not true. I've. N- I would not say I've always liked Yannick Hansen. I've always in- thought he was a good player. Uh, Yannick Hansen's kind of been a little shit for a long time on the Canucks. <laughs> so uh, I can't say but I've always liked glad him.
1: A heel. Now you're glad that he's not. You know.
0: Sure. Uh, hey can we talk about the Canucks for a little bit? It's uh, kind of weird how they uh, have gotten rid of almost all of their hateable players now, huh? Yeah,
1: Burroughs and Hansen are both on the, are both out. It's I mean both like, like, intriguing listen. returns for both of them. It's it's pretty amazing Jim Benning. Uh, I think Jim Benning got two really good deals for Burroughs and for Hansen at the deadline.
0: Dude, uh, especially after last year where uh, the the Hamwish thing, uh or thing was uh just a total disaster, and yeah. this deadline the Canucks actually did very well. Yeah. While the uh, like, one let's let's turn on the rest of the Pacific real quick, just so we can kind of see where the sharks,
1: yeah,
0: stand in relation. Um, the Kings had a very, very, very weird trade deadline. I guess I'm not surprised because I think Dean Lombardi is not a very good general manager who gets a lot of credit for being very lucky throughout his tenure as King's general manager. He made a he, in fairness, had one incredible deadline before the Kings won their first cup in 2012. I think the Jeff Carter deal was one of, yeah, that that was that was legitimately a great move. Um, and since then it's been um
1: i think a great move for both teams that the Carter trades one of the i mean yes the the Phil Liers haven't won a cup, but you know shannon and Simmons are both important pieces for them
0: man, I would really like a Wayne Simmons on my team that is for sure oh, yeah, absolutely yeah. would love a, a a fresh wayne simmons uh yeah i think that that so the i guess to recap for those not in the in in the know i suppose uh the the Kings So they made it what I thought was a good move. They traded Dwight King, a guy that they don't need because I don't think the the Kings are doing anything this year. Uh, They got a a conditional fourth from the Montreal Canadiens, and then they turned around and traded a conditional fourth to the Avalanche to get Jerome McGinley, which was um, odd. (sighs) Odd. Baffling. Yeah. I just – I really don't know why they decided to do that.
1: Well, I I – they didn't need to get heavier i think that's the, you know i think again is a has you know once upon a time was a very fast very good skater but i think you know i saw uh, someone writing that they're gonna have the slowest top line in the league now uh with with kopitar and and uh Aginla there another team that i think pa Perento would have been a good fit for he basically would have been what they wanted Devin Setaguchi to be. Not that I think Setaguchi played poorly for the Kings. I think he actually had a, a pretty good season uh, for them as a, as a depth forward. Um, as, as odd as the, uh, again, trade was, I think in some respects, the Bishop trade was even more odd, but I actually really like that trade for the Kings. I'm not sure if it's going to end up
0: helping them, but that's,
1: that's, but the, I think at least smart, that that's situation. a very smart move.
0: Yeah. Uh, I think at least in that situation, the Kings upgrade one of their picks slightly, worst case scenario, because the Kings in that situation yeah. upgrade a seventh to a fifth if if nothing else benefits them in that situation. At the very right. least, they can say they did that.
1: Yeah. And, you know, a bit like, again, if you're struggling to score, you know, you're going to do what you can there, but you also probably should say, hey, Quick's been hurt. We don't want to play him 70 games. Um, and they have arguably, I'd say it's Quick, you know, as, as much as I knock on Quick, I still think he's a pretty pretty good goalie i don't think he's as good as the heights he's reached but quick and bishop certainly challenges dell and jones as the best uh, well yeah but I mean,
0: and quick, quick and is bishop top. is the, i mean quick yeah quick bishop is the best goalie tandem in the division that's one of the best goalie tandems in the league
1: yeah it might be other than darling and crawford i'd say probably uh, i mean and
0: crawford and, and uh darling is just the best goalie tandem this year and that's just right. i think that's luke so, yeah, I very very
1: well could be
0: certainly on Darling's oh, side. Um, on Darling's standpoint, I mean, Crawford has steadily gotten better, and I don't and and I'm not enough of a goalie expert to say if Crawford is agreed. just just getting better or because Crawford I think is good, and I don't know enough to say yeah. if he's turning into an elite goalie or you know I right. I don't want to speculate, and I don't I don't know enough about Darling to say if he's turning into a you know anyway yeah who knows uh, but right exactly
1: yeah. Flames a little silent uh I, was it. You know, they, I was they got,
0: surprised by that. I was like, I, cause yeah. "I think the Flames are turning into a good hockey team," and they were just like, "Eh." I, I think in their I case, know. I
1: think that's the smart thing. I think they've they they were the you know if this was the year when they kind of fluked into the playoffs uh, a couple of years back, they might have made a move. Uh, you know, Lazar and Yaku pa- Yakipaka as a swap. It's kind of just a swap of guys who you know probably needed a change of scenery so to speak i think that's a
0: i think lazar needs a change of scenery to like you know switzerland or something he's uh yeah he's
1: stinks yeah he's not been great lately um i was a little surprised they didn't do much more ducks got patrick eves
0: um that's that's a decent move i guess (laughs) i mean i think they got i mean i think they didn't they didn't spend too much that was a that was a decent move they got better uh and they got deeper uh,
1: Edmonton, a little confusing. Uh, I just I don't really know much about Brendan Davidson, but is that his name, Brendan Davidson, the defenseman? Yeah. I, are they in a position I don't, to ship out defensemen? I, I wouldn't say that. No. Guy.
0: He wasn't very good, but uh, I don't know what they're doing there either. Yeah. yeah. Um, the... What was interesting to me is that I thought the Flames took the approach that I thought the Leafs were going to take this year. uh, You know, hey, if we make the playoffs with the kids, that's great. Great experience for the kids. Otherwise, hey, if we don't make the playoffs, it's kind of a, you know, win either way because then we get, you know, a little bit higher draft pick and who cares, you know, let's just let the kids make the thing and then the Leafs went out and Lou Amarilloed the whole thing because that's what happens.
1: I don't mind the Brian Boyle deal for them. I think the Eric Fair deal was – desperation after Valtteri Philpola blocked the trade today uh I don't know if you read James Myrtle's I breakdown did. but he was worried he was going to get uh Robodod which is going to be you know very interesting to see how that affects the Leafs going forward they're touted as a as a premier free agent destination and this is not meant to disparage his uh general managing abilities but knowing how cutthroat lou lamborello is i can't see that lasting as long as he's there
0: and that to me is the biggest thing why i think that his hire was a mistake and that's why i think that he needs to be out of there as soon as humanly possible um he is his stint there is always meant to be temporary though he it was always supposed to be kind of a caretaker role until uh whatever the until yeah, Shanahan the and d
1: could take over,
0: yeah. Right, correct. Um, uh, the, the, Sioux, the Sioux boy is Myrtle had,
1: Myrtle had an interesting tweet last night. He said that the Sharks were by far one of the two best teams the Maple Leafs have played this season.
0: Uh, you know what? I saw uh, our boy over at SB Nation, Pat Iverson, uh, casually saying that uh, the Minnesota Wild are the best team in the Western Conference, and I still think that's fucking hilarious that people I, are saying that. Um, I don't get it. They're not. They're they're not that good. And people keep saying this. Like this I is a thing. Again,
1: and, and I, you know, I am a fan so for him. I cape for him. This is all. This all speaks to Bruce Boudreau. And like he's he's a very good coach. They are overperforming. And they, they are. are. Yeah. They, and they're not that good. Likely because of him. Again, we've seen with him though in the playoffs. And this is not a knock on him. This is just. It's not. This is a, If anything, this boosts him up because it shows how much his teams overachieve in the regular season. In the playoffs, his teams get found out. Um, yep. And again, that's it not really hard to win in the playoffs. Coach.
0: And I think that I think coaches have a, and this is my hunch that they have a smaller impact in the in the playoffs than they do in the regular season. I would
1: agree. I would agree with that. Um, that
0: coaches can't fake it as much in the in the regular season, than they can, I, or in the playoffs. They can't tweak yeah. it as much.
1: And pardon a, a cross for analogy here, but I think you know they were. I was listening to a podcast today, and they were talking about you know. Uh, The Miami Heat this year, uh, you know, as as an eight seed, or excuse me, the Miami Heat as an eight seed and how potentially, you know, if they're matched up, you know, they might be the seven, if they're matched up with a team like Boston, the Celtics, who are largely overachieving as the two seed in the East. When you crack the whip all regular season, you know, there's not another level you can reach in the postseason. You've already reached your max in the regular season. Uh, You know, we saw another cross sport was mentioned. The Mavs in 06-07 when they lost to the Warriors in the first round of the playoffs. They overachieved. Avery Johnson got the most out of them. Once they reached the playoffs, there was nowhere else to go. And I heard that, and I just immediately thought, that is literally every team Bruce Boudreaux has ever coached. Like They are peak max efficiency in the regular season. Once they get to the postseason, there's not another level they can hit. A team like the Sharks – or you know, even a, t- a team like Chicago, even though they haven't been a-, a great team this year, a team like Nashville, those are teams that can hit another level in the postseason.
0: Uh, here's the the thing to me is that Bruce Boudreau right now is coaching to win every single night, whereas I think Pete DeBoer, honestly, is just dicking around. I don't it think kind has- of feels like that some He's nights. Here.
1: He's in a different position. I don't think he has to coach to win every night. Uh,
0: and to me, as a, someone who really likes winning a lot, that's frustrating. Right. Um, like, I see them roll out the uh, Marcus Sorensen centered by Michael Haley and Chris yeah. Tierney centering Hurdle, and I'm like, okay, go, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Listen, I've got to watch this shit, all right? Yeah. all right? I've got to write a, write a story about it. But, but they
1: know they have the leeway. But
0: they're like,
1: eh, and, eh, you eh. Know, what's the big deal? And I, I think I think I it's also, also too, and this, you know, could be putting intent and words in his mouth, but I think at some level, uh, it's a little bit of envisioning what-if scenarios. Like if the worst was to happen and the bottom six wasn't available, can he put those guys together and have them play effectively? Now, the answer will be answered to varying degrees, but I think it's also a little bit of uh uh shall we say long-term planning. Um but you know, the, the Sharks are in a position where they can do that. They've got a pretty comfortable lead in the division. I mean, even if they didn't, this is a team that last year didn't have home ice for any round except the second round and they made it to the Stanley Cup final. The Wild, if they're gonna go deep, need to have everything going for them. They need to have home ice so they could so they're not playing the predators of the Blackhawks in the first round. Uh, you know, they they need to they need to make their road as easy as possible. The sharks don't have to do that.
0: Here's the thing to me is that look um, the sharks have not played with an optimized lineup I mean really like for, for what maybe they played for what maybe like
1: stretches at a time but the a fifth of the there's season there's been you know there's been uh, you know different decisions about how to use the lineup some guys weren't up some guys were down like it's it's been a bit of a weird year in that sense and yet they're they're farther ahead of where they were last year.
0: So the Sharks right now are in, if you look at Corsi, this is score and venue adjusted. So this is even strength. They're the fifth best Corsi team. They're the third best Fenwick team. Yeah, And that's playing with, the, in my opinion, almost the entire year without their best lineup. Yeah. And I think Peter board probably, and this is, maybe this is, and I don't even feel like it's wishful thinking. I, my hunch is that he plays with the best lineup in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, no, he's going. He's going.
0: Like. You know, Minnesota is uh, I They're not even a 50% possession team. They're
1: not we've, good, fam. have seen it. I mean, we've seen it. I think the team that really comes to mind with them in recent memory is the 2011-12 New York Rangers. Not a great possession team. Yes. Fantastic goaltending.
0: Absol- and that.
1: If you're, not a, if you're not a stellar possession team, that's what you have to you
0: have. get bound out in the playoffs. Yeah. That's just what happens every right. single time. Right. And to me, I don't think Chicago's a very good team. Um, you know, I watched the game against the Penguins tonight where P- Pittsburgh, on the second half of a back-to-back, absolutely shelled Chicago. You know, listen, they lost, whatever, uh, Patrick Kane, who, you know. A lot of injuries, too, Pittsburgh's
1: going through right now.
0: Yeah. Right. Yep. And Chicago's had their share of injuries too, whatever. Right. But listen, Pittsburgh on the second half of back to back with a, a patchwork defense dominated them. Yeah. And I watched Edmonton play Chicago a couple times on NBC this year, dominate Chicago. You know, listen, Chicago's one because they've got the skill players that can kind of make it work. They don't have the same depth. Been good. But right, they've had to play Kane and Tate together. Yeah. That tells you everything you need to know about how bad Chicago is now. The Sharks can take those guys, and I mean, and listen. And this isn't to me. This isn't the Sharks are going to win the Stanley Cup because you know. Hey, listen, stuff can happen. The right. Sharks have lost to bad teams before. Of course. Um, the road is easier than it was last I would, year. And I the Sharks agree with that. I would, would agree
1: with that. Year. I would agree with that. Like very because uh, the Sharks last year. You think about it. The Ducks were. Even though the Ducks lost in seven, they were a very good team last year. If they would have had to play them, that would have been a tough out. And the team that beat the Ducks took the Sharks to seven games. Um, you know, L.A. was their shortest series in five games. The Blues, I think, I, even though the Blues series they won in six games, I think was all honestly their maybe their most dominant series, maybe their best series. Yeah, um,
0: absolutely.
1: Even more so than the L.A. series. Um, but yeah, I think I think even then. I, I think they have a, an easier path because right now they're going to play the calgary flames they lost to the flames earlier this year the you know the flames are are one of those plucky teams you worry about in the postseason that could could push them and because they have enough high-end skill enough youth
0: very yeah, the flames and the oilers to me are the teams that are like okay if the sharks aren't gonna win the stanley cup that's what's happening right a first or second yeah. round loss to one of those guys. Yeah. Oh. I've seen this movie before. Yeah, I know all what's of
1: them have upstart young cores that are, are going to be the, the drivers of success for them this year. Still think the sharks have enough though to overcome that. And I think, yeah. Um, you know, I, I think this is the, the one of the, this is a much deeper forward group than last year. I think they were running it. They were a three line team last year. I think again, when optimized and honestly, even when they're not optimized, like they're still, they're a four line
0: team. Uh, well, see, that's getting, the thing is that, When Tierney's like, I I think that that's the biggest thing to me, and that's what pisses me off about the whole thing is that I don't even mind Haley in the lineup when Tierney's the fourth line center.
1: I like Haley though,
0: they're they're a good fit. That's what gets me is that, like, is that people get on me about criticizing uh, Haley in the lineup. Like, hey man, listen, I don't even mind Haley in the lineup that much when Tierney's the fourth line center, but you put poor Haley as the fourth line center, and he's clearly. Overmatched there. Right. It's not. Re- it's not his. I know he's listed as a center. It's really not his it's best. Not his best fit, though in the NHL. Yeah. he's he's he plays so much better when he gets to go work along the boards. He's so much more comfortable there because that's when he gets he draws penalties along the boards. Yeah. I, I think bet if we, better, watch, I, if we want to watch if we want to watch film of every time he went and drew a penalty, I bet you every single one is along the boards. Every yeah, single I, one.
1: I think he's a better wigger. I think. I think his. Game below the boards is a good fit with Tierney. I think Tierney's a pretty good cycle player, and you know, I, I, you know, I and again, you know, Haley. I don't, you know, we've certainly written and talked about him, but I think to some degree he's proved me he's proved me wrong in his stint with the Sharks, and I I'm more than okay with admitting that he's it's not the same as it's not the same as John Scott and Mike Brown. It's definitely not, and certainly when he's on the wing, that's the spot he's in. But again, I think. I think this is the reason that, you know, DeVore's doing this. And part of it is, you know, he's maybe trying to play the cards a little close to the vest. He doesn't want, you know, because teams are going to have plenty of film on Tierney playing center. But if he, you know, introduces some question marks down the stretch and against weaker teams too, like, you know, he he ran him against Toronto last night, which isn't a very weak team, but against Vancouver, like ultimately, if those are the kind of games that Haley's the fourth line center, I don't think that does any harm for the Sharks. It's if they play Washington next week and Haley's centering the fourth line, then we got to say, okay, maybe, maybe Pete's going to give this a try, but I don't, I don't think that's going to be the case.
0: Right. Nor do I. Yeah. I think that uh, the Sharks have some tough games coming up in the next week. Uh, Tomorrow night's game against Vancouver is uh, not going to be one of them. Yeah. They've got some interesting games. I believe they've So I know they've got, um, I know got Washington, and I know I think do we have Nashville next week. Is that right? And yeah, next week's a pretty tough week. So they go to Minnesota, then and they Winnipeg, go Winnipeg, back-to-back.
1: then they go Winnipeg back to back. You have the Caps, then the Preds at home.
0: All right, and then and then it's a that's a back to back against yeah, Dallas back
1: with the sun with the Stars on Sunday.
0: Yep, and then it's Buffalo, St. Louis, and Anaheim. Um, you know what's interesting to me is that it seems like there's some uh, bubble teams that are kind of in a selly mode, and uh, that's both. I mean, like Saint, Neither St. Louis or LA seem like can committed to actually trying to win this year. I know LA added a Ginla, but they also yeah. got rid of Dwight King. Um, right. so you know, neither of them are really you know uh, St. Louis, obviously trading Shattenkirk to the Capitals. Um. Interesting move to me. I know that Shattenkirk, for whatever reason, wasn't committed to signing with the uh, with the Blues. Well, Maybe all the that... whispers
1: is that the 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 New Yorker is going to go back to the Rangers this year. But I have a feeling if the Caps if the Caps go on a deep run uh, and seeing what seeing what he could do with the Caps, I I think he may have a hard time leaving the nation's capital. You know, of course, I think the Rangers are his childhood team, but he even said in an interview. He did not expect the caps to be one of the teams interested in him. And we found out he was going there. He was, he was rightfully stoked.
0: Um, Uh, Honestly, uh, is there anything? Well, obviously Leafs fans, but I also love watching Rangers fans act like they're relevant. Like, oh man! Look at how important we are. Look right. at us all, oh, but, like, guys. You guys it's haven't a, haven't it's mattered not even, it's since not I was a in
1: thing. It's not even necessarily a fan driven thing. This it's is a, the, there, there are whispers going around enough where people have felt the need to write about it. Um, because I I've, I've heard those whispers, but like again, I've heard them from fans. Um, but they're apparently going around enough. But you know, tough to turn down a, a stretch run with OV and then you come to the off season and you find out. You know, maybe. Maybe I could play this So they find a way to get rid of Brooks Orpik's contract, and they keep Kevin Shattenkirk, and then their right side well, defense. Who else
0: is set up right now, though, to pick them up? Pick them up is uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning because they cleared a bunch of cap space.
1: Well, he turned out He did turn down a trade to the Lightning.
0: He Nick. Yeah, he turned out a trade to the Lightning. He, like, a trade. He Nick played with an the an Lightning, ex- Lightning ex- team that's not going to the playoffs right he now. Nixed an I'm just saying. So you think he
1: could? I don't know. He, they, if they offered him more than 6 million dollars a year i think he'll go there but they yeah they have cleared a lot of cap
0: well um the shattenkirk they have to might a lot of that. their
1: own guys though so we'll we'll see uh what happens i think i think the shattenkirk deal i don't want to spend too much time on it cuz the cap started the conference but um that's i true. love that deal for the capitals go all in like yes you gave up a lot but like
0: he's absolutely I, worth it. frankly i i that's a way better deal than what the stupid wilds gave up for for Martin oh, freaking yeah. Hansel oh, yeah. way better value. I saw people I saw, I saw people who may or may not work for the parent company of our website saying that Martin Hansel deal was a good deal for the wild. And I was like, okay.
1: Yeah. I think just, I think it was a, uh, you know, okay. You know, I hate, I hate to use the analogy, but it was a, uh, um, you know, you need, you need to get a ride home and then the bar, the lights at the bar turn on and there's no one else to split a cab with. Like that's, that's what pretty much the best center available. Um, And that says a lot about the centers available. So yeah, no, I think, yeah, I I love the Shattenkirk move for the caps. I I love that they're going all in and I, I think he's a really, really good defenseman. He wasn't on team USA this year, but Matt Niskanen and John Carlson were honestly the cap team USA could have taken, it's another discussion, but literally the caps have arguably the three best right shooting American defensemen, arguably.
0: Think how, uh, how cool it's gonna be when uh he's crying when Brent Burns shakes his hand after the Sharks win the cup. After-
1: Sharks caps would be so fun. I, I don't wanna get too far ahead, but that would be so fun.
0: It's what the world needs. Yeah. Really? Nah. Two heartbroken
1: fan bases, <laughs> one of which <laughs> uh, will remain.
0: It's Hard really gonna be. It's really gonna to be too bad when they meet the Stanley Cup final, and the Blackhawks find a way to win anyway.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Just like Gary Bettman always. The won.
1: all get the mumps, and then the Blackhawks.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well,
1: Blackhawks win everybody. Literally like a lot of the first Mighty Ducks movie, when they only make yeah. the playoffs because one team has the measles.
0: Right. Exactly. Uh, all right, I think uh, I think we've plowed this ground as much as it's going to be plowed as our. Yeah,
1: is, there any, is there anything else? Uh, no backup goalie. Sounds like Dell's going to play more.
0: Uh, <laughs> Despite Doug Wilson's best wishes, uh, Aaron Dell is going to play. He could get he could uh, get two
1: games next week.
0: Ooh, I'm shivering. I think uh, that he'll, means he'll, start, get- he'll start against yeah. Winnipeg. He might even start tomorrow. No, he's not. Martin Jones has played so well against Vancouver. There's no way they're oh, going to yeah. start. And Jones,
1: Jones was great against Toronto too. Uh,
0: oh man, he looked uh, spectacular, eh? But wow. yeah, he's had. He was a, feeling it. He was feeling himself. He's he's had
1: it. He's you know we we he, he hit that low point of uh, you know his 25 game rolling save, but the last the last few games he he started to he started to pick it up a bit. So let's see if he it'll be interesting to see if he can sustain it. Um, yeah, I think Dell plays against the Jets, and I think he plays against the Stars. I think Jones goes against the Capitals and the Predators. Okay. And the Wild.
0: And yep. the and, and yeah, so maybe he, so maybe we get Dell against uh, – maybe play Dell against the Stars, maybe even against Buffalo also, and they give uh, – Oh, yeah. Jones. Oh,
1: I think they're, they're going to do the Reimer thing. They'll give him, like
0: – The shit. Give they'll, him, give him
1: seven, they'll give him seven of 20 starts.
0: Uh, would you like the feces? Here's yeah. the crap. Hey, you know,
1: Pat – had his save percentage?
0: Ah, uh, yes, of course. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Of course,
1: colluding with his agent, maybe just try to beef uh, up. His for hey, the
0: RFA speaking of uh, mediocre goalies, I'm just kidding. Uh, speaking of of, of sharks, uh, Fr- sharks <laughs> system goalies, Troy Grossnick was named the uh, yeah goalie of the month of the AHL. That's pretty cool, man. Uh the <laughs> given the. Years and years of bad goaltending in the shark system it is pretty sweet that after dell was amazing last year the Grossnick is having such a good year in the ahl like listen i know that the cuda are very good this year and i get it very good this year he just has been he's been freaking phenomenal and it's been really really nice to see um yeah that, i mean that but that's also a good thing too it's about time
1: they have a good team in front of these goalies you know that have been hung out to dry for the last few years. Again, we talked about it before. Good for Roy – that Roy Sommer has a good team, you know? like yeah, I feel
0: so good for Roy Sommer. I just – feel good for that, man.
1: He's been toiling,
0: that poor for, guy.
1: And now he's got a squad.
0: Oh, man. Full squad. Full squad for Roy Sommer. We should make T-shirts for Roy Sommer. I can't wait for that guy to win the Calder Cup. I'm just going to need like full photos just for Roy Is he Sommer.
1: Retires if they if they win the Calder this
0: year, he should retire. You know what? He should. He should go get a house, nice house in Carmel and on, just off. retire there. And he should get a nice uh he should start a winery. Hey. Where's winer really Oh, that's a good idea, eh?
1: Yeah. Or winer league. You
0: know. Ooh. Okay. Hey, kind of hey man, stop wasting your good ideas on live radio.
1: If I could come up with those two off the top of my head, imagine what I could I could come up with that I'm thinking.
0: <laughs> uh you're right. That's fair enough. Fair enough. All right, good stuff. All right. <laughs> we'll be back after the weekend after the Sharks play some games and after Yannick Hansen scores six goals and whips out his dick on live television. <laughs> uh we're gonna we haven't let him know that that's part of the deal yet, but Jumbo's gonna let him know.
1: If you score
0: four, you got to. Hey, okay. was the rule. Hey, welcome. Uh, hey, uh, welcome to America. Here's this weird deal. It's a new thing. Score four goals. Got to whip your cock out. Yeah, and that's the way it works here. All Specifically right. Specifically in San Jose, uh, we have a new. <laughs> Specifically here in San Jose, but you, in Teo, you you take the dick. Anyway, Dude. it's this. Anyway, I'm it's Joe a, Thornton it's a whole and story. Uh, like
1: we don't want to get. It's a it. whole.
0: It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. Anyway, score four. We'll get to it later. All right. All right. Your locker's over here. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Until then. So, all right. You can follow me on Twitter at Jake before Marcus at Marcus P. White. We're also at Fear the Finn. We've got a whole bunch of trade stuff at uh don't read the comments uh until next time you can also find us on ins- or oh on instagram wow i can't believe that's fear. Where I read God, first. God, Finn, right <laughs> Shit. uh that's the worst thing uh you can find us on the itunes is what i wanted to say that's fear the fin
1: we don't plug the instagram enough on these podcasts though so you <laughs> yeah really you're right slept.
0: <laughs> <clears throat> you're right thank you for uh thank you for catching yeah, me all right. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, thanks for another late-night uh, late uh, podcast. These are always our best ones, I think.
1: You're the fan after dark. After dark.
0: Thanks, guys.